0: All right, let's take our Bibles and go to uh, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, and let's look at something in the Bible that makes sense. How about that? Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want to call your attention to that word that is so commonly used by all of us that I think sometimes it hides in plain view. And that's the word salvation. Heavenly Father, uh, please guide us and direct us in our thoughts as we look at these Bible words that bring out so many aspects of the manifold grace of God in our salvation. And uh, Lord, thank you that your word It makes sense. It keeps us sane and balanced and on track. And uh, so, as we look into it this morning, we ask that it would be magnified by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I know this morning I'm the instrument that's got to bring it, but I also know I have a pretty good knack for getting in the way if I'm not careful. So, Lord, help me to get out of the way, and may the Spirit of God uh, bring these things to each heart as they're needed, especially for someone without Christ. Maybe sitting here in the congregation this morning or out on live stream, wherever they may be, Uh, may this be the day that they understand this word salvation. They understand it aright, and they understand it personally, and they understand it because they're now saved. Uh, We pray that this would be the day of days for them, and we pray this in Christ's name, amen. As a kid growing up as a Roman Catholic in the the Chicago area, uh, if you would have asked me the question, what is salvation, what does that mean? The very fact that I I went to church every week and uh, that that word was tossed around, I really didn't have any idea. In fact, I know what I would have said. Nobody ever asked the question, but I know what I would have said. Uh, Just a couple blocks from our house, was a grocery store, Jewel food store, little strip mall shopping center. And every once in a while, my mom would give me uh, a paper bag full of used clothes from the household. It might have been my clothes, my sister, my brother, whatever. And uh, she'd say, go go to the Salvation Army drop box, drop these off. How many of you remember something like that in your neighborhood growing up? If it wasn't Salvation Army, maybe it was St. Vincent. DePaul or whatever, uh, Deseret around here, and uh, they had this big metal box with a couple of lids that opened up on the top, and you could throw those clothes in there. And uh, the way I understood it was that was for the poor or to help people out or just whatever the case may be. So if you would have asked me, what does salvation mean, I would have I would have answered it, answered you this way. I would have said it's. It's it's giving those clothes to the Salvation Army to help the poor. That would have been my definition of salvation. And this word salvation, as believers, and those of us that study the Bible, uh, we use it so often that I think sometimes it does hide in plain sight, and we don't even give much thought as to what the word means. And the word salvation, I believe, is is the, the one word that All the other what I call shun words spring from. And Peter talks about the manifold grace of God. You have words like justification, sanctification, adoption, redemption, regeneration, propitiation, remission, glorification, reconciliation, imputation. They all end with shun, but every one of them has a distinct meaning that is connected to our salvation, And so I want to look at these words this morning, and I want to start out with this word salvation. Uh, We're told here in Acts chapter 4, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Webster's 18.28 defines salvation as to save or salvage, the act of saving, uh, preservation from destruction, danger or great calamity. I think that's a pretty good definition. You know, uh, we've been saved from the penalty of our sins, but that's in the present. That's in the present. And, and in the present, there's a lot of people walking around that aren't saved from the penalty of their sin that don't understand the, dam- the, the danger that they're in. But Salvation goes beyond that because it's not just present, it's future. Preservation from destruction, danger, or great calamity. On Wednesday night, we're studying the five major judgments in Scripture. Uh, Next Wednesday, we're going to look at the great white throne judgment. Folks, you go to that judgment without Christ, that's more than danger. It is, in fact, great calamity. Great calamity to show up at the judgment with your sins still on you. You know what, folks? If God didn't do anything more for us as believers, but give us eternal life, and, and this simple concept of salvation, we are of all men most blessed. Not only for time, but for eternity. This word is all over the New Testament. The Bible says in Acts 28, Be it known therefore unto you, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Romans 1:16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans chapter 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's that word again. Romans chapter 11 the Bible says, "I say then, had they stumbled that they should fall, God forbid; for through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles." The Bible says in Romans thirteen, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. When Paul when Paul gives us that in Romans thirteen, he, he's referring to salvation as the completion of this process has already started in us. And folks, the completion of that process is that we're in heaven. The completion of that process is we have glorified bodies. Folks, just that one word brings so many things to light and to understanding. Second Corinthians 6, for he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted." And in the day of salvation I have succored thee, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Before any of us could get saved, God the Holy Spirit had to convince us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and get us sad about our spiritual condition. Aren't you glad that God did that for you? I remember before I got saved, I was so miserable. I was so miserable. I was was trying to quit all the, the wrong things that I was doing, the vices and the way I was living and the drugs and the alcohol, but I wasn't having much luck with it, and I was so miserable. In fact, at one point, I contemplated joining the Peace Corps I wouldn't have been much use to anybody uh, because as far as I knew, the Peace Corps went to far-flung places and taught people how to plant corn. Well, I didn't know how to plant corn. Where I grew up, I thought corn grew in cans. My mom opened them with a can opener, poured them into a pot, uh, got them warm, and served them to us. But I mean, I was just so miserable about my sin I I really think subconsciously I was trying to atone for it. I was hoping I could do something to get this burden of my sin off of my back. So the Bible talks about this godly sorrow that works repentance to salvation. Uh, The Bible says in Ephesians 1, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Folks, do you realize as believers today, we walk around carrying the power of God with us. I, I love to read. Uh, uh, Brother Dan Metters, who reads a lot, told me one time, and I, I believe this is true. He told me this decades ago. He said, when you read, your your brain goes on vacation. It rests, and, and I believe that's true. It, it it pulls away from the stress and the distractions. And and, and lets you focus on something, and, and somehow or another, your mind relaxes. I love to read, but every once in a while, I'll I'll get a dry spot there where I'll I'll have read a good book, but I just can't find anything that that I'm really interested in. And, and believe it or not, I was going to say I don't know why, but I, I do know why. All this talk of uh, all this talk of uh, rat, rattle, uh, saber rattling about about nukes and the possibility of World War Three. I'm reading books about the atomic bomb now. I know that's weird, but I, I just, I and you know what? I got thinking of this business, the power of God. The power of God. Um, the way they discovered a uh, fission is a couple of these physicists, and, and this theoretical, uh, this, this theoretical uh, uh, physicist stuff, uh, was just in its infancy in the late, in, in the middle 1930s. And, and a couple of these friends of Oppenheimer, the guy who actually uh, probably fathered the atomic bomb, along with Albert Einstein, who, who really pushed President Roosevelt to get going because he said, hey, uh, Hitler's working on this, you need to get going. But a couple of these physicists, they were, they were playing around with, um, with, with the nucleus in, 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 some, in some atoms. And, and they had some uranium sitting next to it, and they found out when they got messing around with the nucleus there, that they could get these little particles to start shooting off, and they called it cannoning. You know, it, it was firing off, and then when it then when it hit the uranium, it, and it was minuscule amounts, I mean, microscopic amounts. We're not talking about enough to, you know, give off an explosion, but they, they saw this intense energy, and, and then they started putting two and two together, and and all their friends, it, it was a very tight-knit group around the world of these, these physicists, these theoretical physicists, and they all started talking about it. And, and immediately, all of them figured it out. Hey, we, th- this energy, we could develop a bomb unlike any other bomb. Isn't it interesting how man's bent is? You know, they didn't say, hey, we could plant some really big gardens and increase crop production in fields, they said, no, look at all this energy. We could make a bomb. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you get studying all this, and, and, and it's, it's frightening, it's awesome, it's, it's incredible uh, what, what happened with all that, and, 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 it, and it is frightening. I mean, you know, and, and I won't divert into all that. But I get thinking of, of the gospel. Paul says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Do you realize that as a believer this morning, you're walk, walking around with a, a, nu- a spiritual nuclear device? A spiritual nuclear device. And and, and folks, all you got to do is just turn it loose. Just turn it loose. Do you ever wonder why the, the devil fights you Sometimes. Sometimes the devil fights me so hard. I don't know if it's a devil or one of his his brothers or uncles or cousins or whatever. But sometimes the spiritual oppression is such that, what's the big deal? I'm not anything. We're not anything. But you know what? He's afraid of the power of God. During the Second World War and those bombing raids over Europe, uh, those crews of 10 men They didn't have to be the navigator, they didn't have to be the pilot, they didn't have to be the co-pilot. The other seven guys would say, we knew when we were getting close to the target and we were over the target because the flak would get so thick, we could have got out of the plane and walked on it. And you know what I think sometimes? We don't realize the payload that we have. And we're flying over the target And sometimes we're not even paying attention. We don't even intend to drop the payload, but the enemy's under there going, oh, no. (laughs) I don't want that on me. Folks, we have the power of God unto salvation, the Bible says, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so salvation is talked about as a helmet. It's a a form of protection, and it's protecting the most important part of your body, and that's your head. Went to visit a man in the hospital. It had to be 25 years ago. And he had gotten in a motorcycle accident, survived it. Um, Survived it with not more than a few broken ribs and a couple other busted up things and bruises and so forth. But when I went to see him, He had his helmet sitting there right on the table next to the bed. And the helmet was fully intact except the top on one side was worn down like an eraser. And what had happened, he'd gone sliding along on the road on his head for a while. And uh, I'll tell you, it it was a frightening sight, the realization that if he hadn't had that helmet on. That would have been the end of him because that would have been his head, the eraser. And, and the Bible talks about salvation as being a helmet for us. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, Paul's uh, speaking. He says, wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not, all, not, not as in my presence only, but, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, notice he didn't say work for it. He said work it out. Uh, salvation should be manifested. Uh, God is not looking for spies. He's, he's looking for open, outed warriors for Jesus Christ. Amen. So he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of, of faith and love, and for in helmet. There's that helmet again, uh, the hope of salvation. Uh, I think of not only that head injury that guy avoided with that helmet, I also think a day and age where there's so much perplexity all around us. Perplexity. Uh, Jesus said in the last days, uh, men's hearts will fail them uh, for fear. I like having the hope of salvation. We sing the song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. How can we sing that if we don't have the hope of salvation as a helmet? And so, you know, you look at a world that seems to be coming apart at the seams. And I'm not one of these guys that says, well, you know, the rapture's coming. coming, Let the devil have the world. No, I believe we should do what we can. But what we can isn't a lot compared to what's going on, amen? So I'm going to do my part. I'm going to brighten the corner where I am. I'm going to hold up my piece of the sky, but, you know, I've read the end of the book. I know where this is all going, and, and I know things are going to continue to come apart. I, I realize that they're going to get worse before they get better, and Jesus will come back and straighten it all out as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, but in the meantime, I have the helmet that's the hope of salvation, okay? So if you want to listen to talk radio, go ahead. but Make sure you're doing enough to keep that helmet on. Don't, don't, don't listen to more of that than you're reading the Bible. Okay? You know, if you want to get on the internet and check out all your, cons- your favorite conspiracy theories, help yourself. But don't do it to the neglect of the word of God. Because what will happen is that helmet, that hope of that helmet of salvation, <coughs> you'll set it to the side. And you have your head exposed. And I've seen Christians with their head exposed. And they go to seed on all this other stuff. So make sure you stay in the word of God. Because that's that's the thing that keeps us sane, folks. Someone once said, if you got a a, a worn out Bible, you'll have an intact brain. If your Bible's too clean and and it hasn't been used enough, then your, your brain's about... Uh, probably about to get worn out. Uh, So that hope of salvation, Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That particular context has to do with salvation from the tribulation period. And uh, I've said this to you before. I remember when I got saved in the 70s, it seems like every Christian I knew was excited about Jesus coming back. They had read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. The Arab oil, oil embargo was happening. And, uh, and, and Jimmy Carter was president, so we, sure, we were sure we knew who the Antichrist was. And, uh, well, we never anticipated Joe Biden, I'll tell you. Um, but people were ex- excited about the Lord coming back. And, and, and they were witnessing to people, telling them, hey, the tribulation's coming. You don't want to go through that huh? And, and you know what? It is. Look at what's going on around us. And I told you before, I was a brand new Christian, you know, saved out of the drug culture. Honestly, I, I, I didn't know Genesis from Revelation, and, uh, but, but I was excited, and I had heard all the different stuff about the tribute. so I'd go in the book of Revelation, and I'd read stuff, and I'd get it all wrong, And I'd share it with my dope-headed friends, and I I had it all wrong. But in the end, I'd tell them, Jesus can save them. And even though I had it all wrong, they would get saved. (laughs) Isn't it a shame now that we got it all right, we don't tell anybody about it? Maybe we'd be better off having it all wrong and tell somebody about it, amen? Amen. You know, I'd read about stuff, you know, I told you the story one time, you know, all them them, uh, locusts are coming out of the earth, you know, and they got teeth like a lion and hair like like a woman, and they sting men. And I told one of my friends, those are junkies, man. He's like, junkies, man. Yeah, junkies. Junkies are going to come and get you, man. And oh, oh, you need to get saved. All right, Rich, let's get saved, you know. We get down on our knees, he gets saved because he didn't want to get stung by a junkie. Say, so how messed up can you be? I don't know. God used it. God used it. Brother Jack Wood talked about his, his, uh, Ill- illiterate, uh, his illiterate dad one time that filled in for the Methodist preacher in the little Baptist church, and the preacher didn't show up uh, for whatever reason, and he filled in, and, and he got preaching about, uh, what was he preaching about? He's preaching about the, oh, oh, the impotent man. The impotent man. And he, he, he's, he's reading along there, and he said, and this in this and this man here, I mean he had like like a fourth grade education. He said, this man here, he was important. He was important. He said, you know, that's what's wrong with some of you. You think you're important. He was the important man. And and he was going to hell because he was full of pride. Because he thought he was important. He said, that's crazy. Yeah. Two people came forward and got saved. <laughs> You know? But, you know, we got all our T's crossed and all our I's dotted just right, and then we shut our mouths. Amen? Tell others about it. Amen? You're walking around with a, <coughs> excuse me, you're walking around with an atomic bomb in your hand. You got some gospel tracks. You're walking around. These, these, are, the, these are the short-range ones. <laughs> these are the ones on the Submarines. By the way, I was reading the other day. I just have, I, get, I get reading this stuff, so I just got to tell you some of this stuff and this has nothing to do with the message, but it does have to do with a, an atomic device. 1962 Bay of Pigs Crisis. I, I, I guess I you know I, I had always heard no, we didn't know how close to nuclear war we came. Here's how close we came, and uh, maybe one of you remember the name of this guy. maybe Brother Stan will remember the name of this man. but uh, a uh, Russian sub. Got into the waters near Cuba, and of course, all that business. Uh, Russia was, and, and Khrushchev was going to move all the uh, the nukes into Cuba secretly because we had all those nukes in Turkey and it threatened them. So they figured they'd give us a taste of our own medicine, get us over there in Cuba, and then Kennedy found out, and through satellite and all that, we discovered that, and all that tension and all that that posturing, and 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 and, you know, uh, we were going to invade or we were going to. Uh, we were going to at- attack or what we were going to do, but we didn't want those nukes right there. And, and so what happened is this sub uh, got into those waters between us and Cuba. And Cuba's only 90 miles away from Florida. So he's right in the middle there, and, and, and this sub had a couple of nuclear warheads. Now, they were short-range, smaller ones. They weren't Hiroshima or Nagasaki, but they were atomic. And that was the whole thing. You know, were we going to push the button? Were they going to push the button and start lobbing these things all over the place? And, you know, since then, in 2015, a lot of that stuff got declassified. And if you've ever seen a map of all the targets of both nations, oh, my goodness. It it looks like a teenage kid with a bad case of acne. (laughs) There's dots all over the place. uh, Where they had those missiles dialed into, I mean, it, it, it was mad, mutually assured destruction. And and they got going on that thing, and that that one sub, what happened is we had a a force out there of a battle, uh, one one aircraft carrier, one very large aircraft carrier, several battleships and several submarines, and so what they started doing is they started started, uh, testing range with this sub by throwing these fake, these dummy depth charges. Well, the Russians didn't know they were dummies they thought they were real and that sub had been out of communication from Moscow for several days for some odd reason and for all they knew they the war had started so here's the deal in order for them to shoot one of their nukes because they believed they could take out the whole the whole convoy there whatever you call it you guys that are sailors forgive me for using the wrong terminology but turn uh, get rid, get rid of that whole fleet they could have got rid of that whole fleet by themselves with a the couple of warheads they had They had to have all three, all three commanding officers on board agree to it. Guess how many agreed to it? One guy held it back. Brother Stan, can you tell me the name of that guy? Yeah, I I, I knew it yesterday, but I had a senior moment just now. (laughs) They said maybe because of that one young man, that one officer, who, by the way, was a a, a commander of, of a different fleet he just, by chance, happened to be on that sub for that particular, for that particular excursion or whatever you want to call it. And, and he, he said that's how close we came. Because a lot of people think that if, if, if they would have hit us with that, we would have retaliated and then it would have all just got going. He said, what does that have to do with salvation? Absolutely nothing. Okay? But I, it was just churning around in my brain somewhere. Paul says to Timothy that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures. We, okay, we got to, We're walking around with small atomic devices. We just gotta, we just gotta turn them loose, uh, and able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. From a child, you know, the kids coming to church here, going to Master Club, uh, Junior Church right now, Sunday school. You know what they're doing? From a child, they're learning the Scriptures. That's a wonderful thing. Some of us didn't learn from a child. And that's a wonderful thing. Get, get the word of God in them. Get the word of God in them. Now look, let me say this to you. Get the word of God in them, but don't expect your eight-year-old to be Moses. Okay? You know, don't go up to your eight-year-old, hey, how come you're not called to preach yet? <laughs> you know, how come you're not preaching out at the rescue mission? You know, let your kid be a kid, okay. You know what kids like to do? They like to do what they ought to be doing, play. Okay, play, because that's the time to play. <clears throat> Amen. You notice how some parents got it all messed up? They got these kids, and they get involved in sports, and it's no longer play. It's so serious. Uh, the practicing every day and the traveling and everything, it's so serious. You'd think they were in the major leagues or the NHL or the NBA or whatever else, and they don't let the kid be a kid, but they're out playing. Let kids be kids, but get the word of God in them. Paul said to Timothy that from a child, he knew the holy scriptures, which were able to make them wise unto salvation You say, well, you know, my kid made a profession of faith at the age of six, and I don't know if they really got saved. Well, if they didn't, they keep learning the Bible, and it's going to make them wise unto salvation. My son came back from camp one time, 15 years old. He was kind of sheepish. And I said to my wife, I said, what's wrong with Don? She, She goes, well, he needs to talk to you about something. I said, okay. So I said, what's up? And he was kind of hesitant. I said, what's wrong? He goes, well, I got saved this week at camp. I said, well, great. He goes, you're not mad? I said, why would I be mad? <laughs> he goes, well, Dad, when I was six, we prayed, and I, got sa- I thought I got saved, and you prayed with me, and I thought you'd be, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and that happens a lot. And I think sometimes these kids do get saved young, but then they get a little bit older, and they go, did I really get saved? I, and they don't remember what they did, because they were six. I don't remember much about when I was six or five or anywhere around there. So I think it's great. So they just keep just keep the word uh, going in them. Titus chapter two, uh, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You know, we think of grace as saving grace, but there's a grace that brings salvation to us. You know what part of that grace is? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. Talked to you about being miserable before I got saved. That was part of his grace. You know what else that grace was? Keeping you alive before you got saved. You didn't know it, but the wrath of God abode on you, and you were one heartbeat from an eternity in hell. And some of us, unbeknownst to ourselves, were stupidly working on getting that heart to stop (laughs) with some of the stuff we were doing. Amen? Amen. And God, in His grace and mercy, kept you alive long enough to trust Christ as your personal Savior. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared uh, to all men. Hebrews chapter two. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You, you listen. If you are here this morning and you are looking in on live stream and you've not trusted Christ, there, there. Don't don't wait for other options. Paul said, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You will not find another salvation hidden away anywhere in any religion in the world than the salvation that God offers through Jesus Christ. The salvation of done. It's all done. Christ did it all for you. No other religion has that. Every other religion is do, 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 12 fold path. Take the sacraments, join the church, get baptized, become a good person, meditate, on and on and on it goes. Uh, Folks, this is the great salvation that the work is done. Jesus Christ completed it for you. How shall we escape, Paul says, if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 5, the Bible says, and being made perfect, speaking of Christ, he became the author of eternal salvation. Eternal salvation, folks. It's not, it's not a, a, a salvation for time alone, but it's a salvation for eternity. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm glad that the burden of the penalty of my sins is off of me. That's, that's a current benefit, the fruit of the Spirit, the abundant life, all the things that we get. But folks, I am, I am glad that my salvation is eternal. It's eternal. And folks, that's not my doing. People say, well, you believe you believe one saved, always saved? Absolutely. I, I can't lose it. It's not mine to lose. It's eternal. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Uh, the Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, folks, if I have eternal life today and I could lose it, it was never eternal to start with. You have eternal life. Folks, uh, death, we should look at death as, as a, a, a small speed bump because we're going on forever. And this life is as a vapor. And, and then death, it is really, it's, it's a release Because we have eternal life. It's eternal salvation. Christ is the author of that. Hebrews 6 says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. There are things that accompany salvation. And folks, it's more than just a profession. It's more than just a profession. It's more than a, I really worry when I, you know, we're going door to door trying to witness people, and and we we ask them, say, "Have you ever trusted Christ as your savior?" Oh yeah, I did that. I, I I did that. I did that. But yeah, I took a vitamin once before. That kind of bothers me. I kind of wonder about that. Or or worse yet, you know, worse yet, you you knock on the door and you want to talk to him about God, and blankety blank blank, I'm saved. Shut up, slam. You know, <laughs> boy, there's a lot of fruit of the spirit there. You know. One of the brothers, you know, he's got the love of Christ in his heart. Things that accompany salvation—we didn't have time to go into all that—but there are some things that accompany salvation. Amen. It accompanies salvation. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate over, you know, how much how much of discipleship is the responsibility of older Christians, and how much of discipleship is the responsibility of the newly born Christian. And I think the truth lies somewhere between the two extremes, but I'm gonna say this to you. Um, if you've ever raised any cattle or any livestock or whatever, or even little little chickens and stuff like that, um, you don't have to talk them into eating. Okay? They just, they just come out eating, they just wanna eat. The little chicks, you go to the uh, Zamzo sometimes, the feed store, take my granddaughter over, they got these little chicks, nah. they, they got their mouth open. They want to eat. I'll tell you, one of the things that accompanies salvation is you're going to want to eat. You're going to want to get into the Word of God. I mean, you know, you may not be an everyday, all-day guy, but uh, you're, you're going to want to eat. Why? Because that's a sign of life. That's a sign of life, and that's how we grow. Things that accompany salvation. 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, receiving the end of, of, faith, of your faith, uh, the salvation of your souls. And again, that's talking about the end game. And there's so much there, folks. There's so much there. Um, No longer this body with its limitations, no longer this mind with its limitations, but a glorified resurrection body. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Our salvation is a prophetic salvation. It's spoken of in the Old Testament. Second Peter 3, the Bible says, account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also concerning the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And, and that's going back to that grace that God extends to us before we're even saved. And talking about Paul, you look at the apostle Paul, uh, God was long-suffering with him. What was Paul doing? He was opposing the gospel. He was torturing Christians. He was having them hauled off and put in jail. And God God was long-suffering with him. Uh, I'll tell you right now, and we'll wrap this up in a second here. I'm not even going to get to any of the other shun words. And I'm skipping a lot of of, uh, verses that have the word salvation in it. But uh, I'll tell you, of all of the moral and natural attributes of God to me, the one that astounds me the most, the one that is, I'm most impressed with is God's long-suffering. God's long-suffering. Do, do you ever just look at a situation and uh, I, was, I was watching an interview. They were interviewing a prisoner who killed his cellmate. And they were interviewing him, and he was very matter-of-fact about it. And the reason he killed a cellmate is his cellmate started telling him how he had raped this little girl. And he, w- he was in for uh, uh, lewd and lascivious conduct and child molesting and all this other stuff, but he didn't get caught on this other one. And the guy told him, shut up. And, and if you know anything about prison culture, they call them baby rapers. And they are the lowest rung on the ladder, okay? And he kept going, and the guy said, shut up, I don't wanna hear anymore. And, and finally, the guy just killed him, and and he was really, really matter-of-fact about it. He was really, really matter-of-fact about it, and so here's this guy that's serving a, a life sentence for murder already, but, but he's got a code, and his code is that a guy that does that shouldn't live. Okay, now look, you and I see things all the time that a sense of righteous indignation flares up, amen? Can you imagine what God sees? And remember something now. Our sense of right and wrong is dulled by our participation in sin. Our sense of right and wrong and justice is numbed by our sin nature. But here's a thrice holy God whose omniscient knows all, And he is long-suffering in putting up with all that he sees with. Because one of the things that God delights in, folks, he delights in mercy. Many times you read your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and you go through some of these stories where someone's doing wickedly, and you can just see God looking for an excuse to extend mercy. If this guy would just do one thing right... Isn't God's long suffering amazing? The long suffering of God, the Bible says, uh, of our Lord is salvation. Jude uh, says, "Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints." I'll just throw this in as we close: uh, once delivered unto the saints not delivered once in the first century and then again in the 1800s to Joseph Smith. You contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The truth didn't apostatize from off the face of the earth. Joseph Smith just got it all wrong. He just got it all wrong. Revelation chapter 12, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation. And strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Don't you just hate the devil? Aren't you looking forward to him splashing in the lake of fire? I'm looking forward to the accuser being cast into the lake of fire. But he says, now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God. Uh, Sin will be dealt with. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The wages of sin is death. You know what that means? Sin will be done away with. All sin will be in hell. The lid will be shut, locked, hermetically sealed, all that other stuff. And there won't even be any memory of this. In time to come when God wipes away all tears. There's salvation. Now a salvation come and strength in the kingdom of our God. And, And then lastly, Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says, And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. When Jesus Christ comes back at the second advent. The crazier it gets the more you might be encouraged that Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back soon. Salvation to save, the act of saving, preservation from destruction, danger, or great calamity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and just this simple word, this word we use so much and probably don't even think about that much what the real meaning of it is so much is there and father we just scratch the surface we know this morning and we thank you for so great a salvation and that you would save us from our sins from the penalty of our sins give us eternal life and the promise of a home in heaven and all the benefits that go with that lord help us to go forth from this place telling others realizing lord we have a spiritual nuclear device in our hands and in our heads and in our hearts. Some of us in our pockets in the form of a gospel track. Lord, help us not to keep it to ourselves, but help us, Lord, to release that power because it's the power of God unto salvation. Thank you for those that were instrumental in our salvation and mine today. Lord, thank you that they didn't hide it. Thank you that they didn't keep it to themselves. And, Father, we pray for that one this morning without Christ. May they, the best way they know how, open their heart up to him and admit that they're a sinner. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I deserve to go to hell. I've sinned against your law. I've broken your commandments. I've offended you, Lord. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins because your word tells me this. I believe he was buried, and I believe he rose again from the dead. And I'm asking Him right now to be my my Savior from my sin and give me eternal life. I don't deserve it, but I take it this morning as a free gift at His hand. Thank you, Lord, this morning for salvation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 375. Number 375.
1: Saved by the blood of the crucified one Now ransomed from sin
0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for this message today. Thank you for the reminder of salvation. And thank you for our salvation, Lord, and the gift that was given on the cross. Father, I pray today that if there's someone here in this audience, someone listening, Father, that is not saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, dismiss us with your blessings. Father, bring us back tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.